I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ordinary to Extraordinary. I'm recording this without Ben. We are going to be letting you guys hear part two of our interview with Tyler Dickerhoof today. In the first part, we uh, focused solely on business. This part is more about health, fitness and specifically nutrition. And he comes from a unique background in that he works with cows and cow nutrition. And we talk about how far ahead animal nutrition is in comparison to human nutrition. So we're going to jump in exactly where we left off. We hope you guys enjoy this. So to the nutrition. All right. So a few weeks ago, we were have uh, probably longer than that. My time frames are all off. Like I thought a year and a half and I just realized it's two years I've not been involved with soccer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you remember so, when I, when, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm like, geez, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Mm. But let's talk. And I wrote some notes here. Let's talk about three things first, right? Antibiotics in animals. We, we had a great discussion on this, and you actually made me walk away and research, which I love. <laughs> I like having the opportunity Good. to do that. That's Stephen's MO. Grass-fed, and what your take on that is. And then so how, grass-fed being organic? Well, just grass-fed. No, I mean, that's, that's different. different. Okay. That's Those are different, wildly different yeah. terms. Ooh. And organic is, is, is so loosely controlled. And then the human nutrition market being 30 years behind what you guys have been doing in cow nutrition. Talk to me about those three things first. Look at Tyler's smiling already okay, behind shoot the mic. Off. So um, I, we mentioned earlier passions. I'm fairly passionate about sports, which is interesting. It's changing dramatically. I am learning to be more and more passionate about leadership because mm-hmm. of how dynamic it is. My passion nutrition is well-heeled. And I say that from the standpoint of, you know, I've watched my dad be a nutritionist for cows since I was four years old. I was 12 the first time I ever created a, we'll say for the human side of it, diet plan Hmm. for cows. I was 12, using a computer, balancing out macronutrients. And so as I sit here, you know, 39, I've kind of been at it a few years. And uh, that was struggling in part of my early nutrition career. But it's also exposed me to a lot of different elements and change over time. You know, one of the things that, you know, I'm going to jump to quickly first and foremost is that uh, animal nutrition is 30, 40, whatever decades advanced compared to human nutrition. And when when I bring that up to people and and the guy that helped me expose that was actually the leading uh, scientist for human exercise science. His name Mm. is Dr. Paul Arciero. He's done numerous, uh, I think he's done more exercise science research articles, uh, papers uh, through Skidmore College than anyone else. 
and uh, he's an advisor at Isogenics. He did a lot of research with Isogenics. That's how we got to know each other. And he and I were golfing together at Hilton Head uh, several years ago, and we were just kind of Humble talking. brag. Yeah. <laughs> Name drop. Name drop. <laughs> do, do, do you want context for it? I, I'm not a good golfer. We had such a great either. conversation. We should go golfing. Well... Love oh wow! Thanks. I, I mean, I'm, I'm such a out. I'm such a I'm bad golfer out. that I have a scar implant in my uh, quad from being impaled by a golf club. It's a what? whole other story. To put it in context, he and I shoot about the same. We actually competed when we played. Oh, last so you guys summer. are both better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the context of that was we had several hours to sit in a golf cart and just kind of bounce off each other. And, you know, when I was asking him about things he was doing, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to start looking at, you know, this different thing from a macronutrient point of view. And I'm like, okay. So, Dr. Paul, you know, we've spent some time here. It's like in animal nutrition, they were looking at that in the late 80s. Like, and he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. Like the, the things that, you know, I've been out of dairy nutrition now for a few years. And the things that I was doing is, you know, I was balancing for amino acids. You talk to someone in, in human nutrition about amino acids, they're like, oh, BCAAs. There's more. There's, there's way more. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing that I laugh about sometimes is, is someone in the nutrition world, human nutrition, like, oh, yeah, you know what? If you add some BA, BCAAs, you're going to have better results. Well, here's a quick lesson. Um, not necessarily. You're only going to have better results is if you're limited in some of those branch chain amino acids. When you just add more in, it doesn't mean you're going to get any better results. It just means you're adding in the one that was limited, and therefore all of them binding together is going to be better. Remind me again, is it 13 amino acids acids to build muscle? How many? There's, there's so many, Well, right? there's an array. There's nine yeah. essential. Yeah. And so, you know, beyond that, there's non-essential, but the nine mm-hmm. essential. But then when you look at really muscle development, it comes down to, you know, three key amino acids, leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Okay, I lost, I see, (laughs) and I lost a lot of other people, but let's just, you know, for the context of this to keep it uh, junior high, you know, biology chemistry is that in animal nutrition, they've been balancing. Your dog is balanced for those amino acids because it's more efficient. And they've been doing that for years because they understand it. Well, you ask, well, why, why in animals? Because money, everything flows with money, everything. There's no money in human nutrition. They're not sitting here trying to figure out how much money can we squeak out of Steven if we make him a little bit more healthy. But you know what they're trying to do with a racehorse? You know what they're trying to do with a cow? You know what they're trying to do with a chicken? They're trying to say, if we alter and if we study and if we manipulate the nutrition, how much healthier? Well, healthier means that there's less antibiotics that we ever have to use because that animal gets sick. There's less, you know, waste that we have if we ever have to. And Mm. so when you look at the element of human nutrition today and just the thought of, you know, serving size is, you know, oh, people are like, hey, you know, just watch your serving size. You need four ounces of this. You need four ounces of this. Well, let me kind of bring that together. Part of my job as a nutritionist is I would go to a farm and every farm's a little different, just kind of like every house is a little different. And they would all have different ingredients on the farm that they would use to feed their cows. Just like if I walked into your kitchen, Stephen, it'd probably look different than mine. There's some similarities, but it's different because you like different things than I like. And so my job is to go in there and say, all right, this is what you have. I'm going to take samples of the, you know, the bigger things and, and they would have what's called forages. So like hay. Okay, we'll just use that example. So I would sample that to find out what nutrients were there. And some people think, well, well, isn't it all the same? 
Like, nope. <laughs> and guess what? Neither is that spinach that you're eating. And neither is that lettuce. Because you know where it was grown? In a field right beside that alfalfa. You know what makes the difference? The time of year is harvested. The amount of fertilizer that was there. The day of, from planting to harvest. All of that creates a different nutrient array and supply. And so I would analyze all that stuff. And then I would take all that information. I would put it into a computer program. And I would balance for hundreds of different for the ideal markers for the ideal, most efficient, cost-effective diet. Hmm. So when you talk about a dietitian, a dietitian's like, you need to eat, um, you know, per, you know, a meal, you need to have a, a cup of brown rice, and you need to have four ounces of chicken, and you need to have a, you know, cup of broccoli. It's like, okay, and, and that's all you need, you know, kind of go through it and just very rudimentary that way there's a lot to be desired because yeah. it's it, it's not sampled it's not tested you know a chicken that was you know uh slaughtered at 87 days compared to 83 days has a different nutrient component it just does because of whatever else well, those are all things the animal mm-hmm. industry they've dealt with that human scientists haven't even contemplated because there's no crossover why is there no crossover because animal nutritionists look at human nutritionists and think they're crazy. And human <laughs> nutritionists look at animal nutritionists and think they're from the Stone Age. Because they're dealing with animals. Yeah. Because our country, in regard, thinks agriculture is a bunch of hicks that have, you know, a piece of wheat hanging out of their mouth with coveralls. The banjo going in that, the That's what they think of agriculture. It's that rudimentary. Mm-hmm. It's the most advanced, technologically advanced industry in this entire country they've been using robots farther before manufacturing ever thought about robots so So, you know that's where we're getting into from a standpoint of why it's so far behind because of money flow yeah and when you look at the most important thing for profitability is animal being healthy okay so you mentioned antibiotics yeah agriculture they use antibiotics and yet when when you ask about that people are so scared it's like well the reason they use antibiotics is from good animal welfare, just like if, you know, I know you have a, a, a daughter, Ben, that, you know, you want them to be healthy. Yeah, son. But yeah. Son. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You're good. I screwed up. We'll edit that yeah. out, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have a son, and if he has an ear infection, you want him to be healthy. Now, there's different paths. There's different ways you can be holistic or not. But, like, he runs a fever, and all of a sudden it's kind of like, hey, this is dire. Yeah. Use an antibiotic. Does that freak you out? No. No. Well, guess what? On a farm, you have a cow that has a, a fever and she's like dire. You're probably going to give her an antibiotic because you care for her. Yeah. And it, she's worth more than if you just let her die. Well, that doesn't mean that the milk she's producing today turns around as on your uh, you know, breakfast table tomorrow. It's not. It's withheld. It's discarded. Then you do a test to make sure there is absolutely no residual left, residue left, excuse me, residual amount of that antibiotic yeah, yeah, left. Yeah in their system before it ever is transported. Now, people make mistakes, and there are bad people in every industry. And yet, there's a third-party testing that happens at every single manufacturer to make sure that nothing slipped through the cracks. Hmm. Same is done in carcasses for meat. So when you say, oh, there's antiboxing meat, it's like, nope, there's not. If there is, somebody's going to spend a lot of time in jail. Yeah. And, you know, so that's the the question there. Grass-fed, okay? This, this, this was fascinating fed. to me. So in, in regards to grass-fed, grass-fed is just a, you know, a, a, a system of, you know, raising animal. And so are there different nutrients in grass than other things? Yeah, there are. But does it mean that grass-fed is wholly and solely better than anything else? No. 
It, it really doesn't. It, it's just, it's a management structure in the nutrition there. And so sometimes actually in a lot of grass fed situations, if they have a lot of grass, it's great. They run out of grass. It's not so great. Yeah, and totally. at the same point, when you look at the style of you know product that you want to consume, a lot of people don't like grass fed. Well, what can happen? A range fed, grass fed animal, they finish a lot later in life because it takes them longer to get all those nutrients. They have to work harder to get all those nutrients. Well, why do people not like wild game sometimes? That's all grass-fed, to the truth. It's a little chewy. It's chewy. Mm -hmm. It's tough. It doesn't have as much flavor. And so when you say, oh, I want grass-fed, is it beneficial? Well, it depends what you want. Is it better? Well, you can look at the analysis of it. And, you know, there's some slight difference in conjugated linoleic acids. It just really freaked you out. But <laughs> there's, not, yeah, there's <laughs> not this like, oh, my goodness, you are going to die if you eat one compared to the other. It, it really comes down to personal taste and as well, you know, what you choose to consume. So I, it's kind of, yeah. So let's, so, so with your background, maybe we'll kind of start wrapping it up too, but then we want to ask some icebreaker questions, which we should have asked at the beginning, but we didn't, but I still want them on recording is with your background in nutrition, what does your nutrition plan look like personally? I mean, what do you guys eat? I wrote it What's down. the week look like? 40, 30, 30, right? Uh, yeah, so I am a, <laughs> I am a staunch when it comes and you look at uh, my experience and what I've researched to look at the zone diet, 40, 30, 30, uh, you know, and macronutrients, and that's balancing it. Now, one of the things that why isogenics nutrition products have fit into our life is they're balanced at that, mm -hmm. so it's really simple. Number two, it takes less um, mental capacity to have to plan so all that out. So explain that 40, 30, 30. What does that mean? So yeah, so it's the it's a ratio. It's great. It's a ratio of the percentage of nutrients coming from carbohydrates, fat, and protein in a relationship to total calories. So if you have, you know, 2000 calorie diet and 40% of that or 800 calories comes from carbohydrates, that would be 40%. If 30% comes from protein, 30% fat. Um, so that's a great place to start. Yeah. Where do most people get it wrong is we are a vastly under, under, um, we're nutrient deficient, nutrient deficient. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Um, nutrient deficient in protein. Why? It's the most expensive. Mm. How do you get protein? Well, whey protein, you get meat, you have other, you know, cereals, grains with some protein mm -hmm. in it, which aren't all created equal because amino nope. acids. Yep. Um, if you want to build muscle, the best amino acid supply is from animal protein. You can do a lot of work, but you can make it from plants, but you got to balance a lot. And so that's where I start. Now, my lifestyle, what do I eat? I balance to that. Okay. So I may go home today and I may have six ounces of chicken and a croissant because that's what I like. Yeah. And guess what? It's balanced. <laughs> oh, you can't eat a croissant. Why? Too many carbs, carbs. butter, it's fat. It's you need it, yeah. it, but all it is is simple nutrients. Yeah. How you supply that is great. Fine. It doesn't matter. Now, you get to a, you know, it, it's kind of like what I would say is you can drive a car and you can have a, you know, whether it's a, I know you like cars, so you can have a Ferrari. Yeah. And you know what? And you can drive a Ferrari, and if you're driving at 65 miles an hour and you're not putting a lot of stress on the engine, 87 octane is probably going to be okay. Yeah. It's not optimum. It's not great. Whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you're driving that engine 220, and you're, like, cranking out. You're, like, trying to make laps, and you're doing whatever. That quality of fuel makes a huge difference, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sport, I mean, that's the difference. And so uh, it's more efficient. Same with your diet is, like, if you balance 40, 30, 30, 
as an example or fit the macros to what works for you because some people thrive off of carbohydrates, some off protein, uh, off of uh, fat, and look at the efficiency there. Over time, when you want to get dialed in more, you, you start to go to higher quality nutrients. So Yeah. yeah. And just to, to sort of elaborate a little bit, what most people do is they figure out what their maintaining amount of calories is, and then they'll figure out the 40, 30, 30 into that. With that so yeah. if yeah. a man needs 2,000 calories, he's going to figure out what 40% looks like in 30 and 30. And then obviously all fats aren't created equally and, and everything else, right? They aren't, but I wouldn't get hung up on that. No, me either. Yeah, I, that's it. That's it. on down the road. Start somewhere and then get more detailed as you go but where we left off is really great because i've also got down here fads so i want to talk <laughs> keto paleo Ooh. atkins and we'll leave vegans until the end and make fun of them at the end but talk about this because i think there's a lot of people that have tried the keto thing and basically what they do is they get a bunch of meat wrap it in bacon they don't get any as many vegetables as they should they're not getting the even the right amount of carbohydrates because keto isn't carb free keto is you know to be in a true healthy state of ketosis you're not eating a lot of bacon and you're not putting bad things into your system. So talk about these things a little bit and what your take on fad diets are. Well, being a nutritionist is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it is with anything. People are always looking for a silver bullet and they're always looking for something new and different. And I've had people tell me, well, it'll only work for a little while. Well, body doesn't quite work like that, but okay. <laughs> um, if I want to take a step back and I want to take a step back to where we were um, before refrigeration. Before we had refrigeration, what did people do? In the summer, they, they grew crops and they ate those fresh. And those are, if you think about berries, when you think about you know different things that are available, those were high carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. What also were people doing in the warmer weather summer? They were way more active. Yep. They were going longer distances. They were doing a lot more things. They, their muscle had a higher requirement of energy demand. Well, then in the winter, what would happen? Or, you know, during that time period, they would slaughter animals. Well, in the winter, they couldn't store any of that stuff unless they dried it. And then at the same point, you know, if they had meat, they would have high-fat meat. They would, you know, those things. And the diet would change dramatically. And so people would actually have a high-carbohydrate diet mm -hmm. during the, you know, warmer season, weathers. Right? Yep. Yeah. And a low carbohydrate, higher fat, higher protein when they're less active. And I've seen that play out myself. The more active I am, the higher carbohydrate demand I have because of the muscle mass. And yep. the number one fuel for muscle is glucose comes from carbohydrates. I'm the same way. I and feel stronger when yep. I eat more carbohydrates. And, you know, then there's other people that I know wholeheartedly, and they have a different body, and they thrive off of fats. And just like in animal nutrition, animal nutrition isn't all science. It's a balance of art and science. And one of my good friends, he actually had a post on Instagram about this uh, a week ago, Jade Tata. And he talks about that. You got to start somewhere. Like we said, 40, 30, 30. And then it's just art and science. And mm -hmm. it's the art mm -hmm. to all what works for you in the science. It's not a Ronco, you know, the, the old infomercial cook where, you know, oven where you just set it and forget it. It's, it you set it and then you just kind of ebb and flow. And so when I look at things like keto, when I look at Atkins was the first thing that actually intrigued me about human nutrition. 15 and that's, years ago, right? Uh, it, I think it was the late 90s because I think it was in college when I asked my okay. professor if like I could go really, take yeah. a human nutrition class and he said, don't waste your time. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, part of that is what I saw is people vastly increased the amount of protein in their diet. Because remember what I said earlier, protein is deficient in everyone's diet because it's expensive. Yeah. You know, we as an American society vastly 
we don't consume protein. And, you know, then all of a sudden you see Atkins and they, they start consuming all this protein. Well, protein is a macronutrient your body can only use, it can't store. The only way it can store it is in muscle because it stores those amino acids as it builds muscle. And so when you look at somebody consumes protein and they, they consume more protein than what their body needs, what do you think it does with that? More protein than it actually needs? Yeah. Does it just go to waste? It gets rid of it. Yeah. You excrete it. You pee it out. That's why urine has an ammonia smell to it. What's that ammonia? That is nitrogen. Unused proteins or something. Unused protein. And so what... Learn something new today. So what happens there is that is an energy expending process for your body to convert unused protein into urea and ammonia, like nitrogen, to excrete it. It takes energy to do it. So if you're not consuming as much energy, which energy comes from two facets, either carbohydrates or fats, and you're consuming less than what your body needs to go through its functions, but then you're ramping up because you're consuming more protein, then you're actually increasing the amount of energy demand. What do you think happens? You lose weight. You lose weight because where does it come from? Because, you know, you can take carbohydrates and fats and you can People store them. People always say that. I never actually understood that until now, how that yeah. worked. Okay. Yeah. And so when you talk about Atkins, well, why did Atkins work? What it did is it increased the amount of protein. You dropped out a major segment of energy supply in carbohydrates. And then you said, go have at it. And so what did the body do? Well, it starts burning fat. Well, here's the problem though, with that because there's a problem. Is when you, your fat is processed in one part of your body. It's processed in the liver. Liver is kind of like the way I look at it is it's like the lint trap to the dryer. Okay. I like it. So <laughs> it is, it's what filters I mean, out everything. It makes everything. sense, really, right? Okay, yeah, good. I'll go with it. I'll, I'll so it, it's like it. the lint trap. Well, what happens is when you put a lot of demand on the liver, in other words, you, you're consuming things that are foreign to your body, the liver's got to process it. Um, and when um, you consume a lot of fat, and so your body needs to process fat, it, it does so in the liver. So it, it converts that into energy sources in the, in the liver. I'm not going to get wildly technical, but it takes it in there. And so there's a disease called fatty liver disease. And what is fatty liver disease? It's when there's fat deposits in the liver because the liver's kind of slowed down and has gotten very retarded in function because the liver thrives off of B12. Hmm. So why do people get B12 injections for energy? It goes straight to the liver. You want to do nothing else. If there was one organ that you could just love and baby and take care of in your body, it's your liver. Your liver does everything. Your liver sends things to the brain. The liver, you know, filters out everything. And so when you have all this fat, it goes in your liver. And so I can see some, somebody lose 20 pounds. You can tell if they do it in a healthy way or a bad way. Look at their skin. If they have kind of gray skin, if their eyes are a little bit yellow, their liver is screaming for help. But if they're bright, they're happy, they have glowing skin, guess what? Their liver is excited. Hmm. One of the things that has blown me away from day one about isogenics is that it is all about liver support. It has tons of B vitamin, has chromium, another B vitamin that is, why is it there? For liver support. Hmm. And so when you talk about keto, when you talk about Atkins, mm-hmm. you're, you can do it. And you're increasing the amount of protein. And what's funny is there's these kind of ebbs and flows in the keto community saying that protein's bad. Well, what's funny about it is a lot of them really don't track their macros. No. 
And so they think, okay, I'm going to go eat or I'm going to go drink a whole lot of MC2 oil because that's probably really good for me. Mm. And that's where I'm going to get energy. And then, you know, I'm going to stay away from carbohydrates and then I'm going to go eat my bacon. I'm going to eat my thing, you know, all those other things. And that puts a lot of stress on your liver. Now, MC2 oil is a better source of fat, so it doesn't put as much stress on the liver because it's not as saturated. And yet they're still consuming more protein, so they're able to kind of keep their body going. What are now a lot of them doing? They're consuming a lot of collagen. Why? It's a source of protein. So, you know, that's where keto is really kind of like, hey, um, all you're doing is kind of a fancy new way of having Atkins. Atkins didn't stress good fats. Atkins just stressed meat, bacon and meat and (laughs) pile it on, baby. Keto says, hey, you know, you need to have good fats because good fats is better, which is better for the liver. But yet you're still getting more protein. And so that's what's really driving the system. Mm -hmm. One thing's an animal and it keto can be used that that life can be used in in short amount of time. Exactly. Um, I'm going to go back to cows. Can we? Can we? Is that all right? Cows. So one of the things that happens in um, lactating mammals, okay, if anyone knows any lactating mammals, this all happens. So a lactating mammal is not able to, in in most cases, yeah, there's a reason why I, I described it that way, you know, we'll get there. I have is, to take a deep breath and not make a joke. You can. I won't. I got nipples, Fokker. Be careful. Can you milk me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, In they have no ability, in in most cases, to consume as many nutrients as they're expending through milk. So naturally, they go into a period of ketosis. Ketosis is simply the process of the body mobilizing fat, converting it to ketone bodies in the liver to use that as energy. That's what ketosis is. It, it, it's just a matter of you're taking fat and using it as energy. Why do you take fat and use it as energy? Because you're not bringing in as much energy, carbohydrates, fat as you need. Okay, so that happens. In cows, for example, that's a really, really, really inefficient way to operate because you're putting so much stress on the liver to do all of it. Interesting. And so unless you have a wild liver support, it's inefficient. Can it be done? Yeah. But there's cows are ruminants, and so that's where they get a lot of energy. A little different than humans, but yet that's where it's kind of inefficient. If you were to have another animal that is monogastric and you're saying, hey, I'm going to put all of the reliance on that one organ to get all of your energy – It's kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket, right? Something goes sideways and you're in trouble. And so when we talk about like a lactating, you know, animal, I mean, they have to consume more. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they start to be able to consume more. Their stomach gets bigger. They're able to forage to get things. Well, now their energy demand increases and they either stay at the same body composition or they start to put on fat. But they're all in what's called a negative energy balance. They all lose weight. So why do women, when they have a baby, you know, they're breastfeeding, a lot of them are tired, exhausted. They look exhausted. Well, that's because they're not sleeping much because of the baby, but they're also in negative energy balance. They're forcing their body to mobilize fat to make enough milk. Interesting. So keto is really just kind of a way to do that. And now there's some cool things that has been brought into like brain science and fasting and in, you know, 10 years ago, I wanted to have nothing to do with fasting. I thought it was a joke. I do it. Um, and now I'm a staunch believer in it. Um, I've seen results. It's hard. It's hard to stay with it. And, How long you know do you that, fast for? Uh, I try to do one day a week. and I do one day every other week. 
Yeah, it, it just twenty-four hour period. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's you know there there's so many different ways. There's you know people that you know do a sixteen-eight. There's people that do a twelve-twelve. There's people that you know fast two three days a week. <laughs> My thought there is there's benefits to it tremendously. Um, eighteen to twenty-four hour eighteen hours of fasting will increase HGH levels by five hundred to two thousand percent, depending on the person. Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, what you're doing is you're actually increasing recovery. And so by fasting, not only are you sparing your brain, you're doing some things there, um, you know, through that process, gut digestion, but you're also increasing HGH levels. So it's, there's a lot of good things from it as well. It's just how our body copes and, hmm. and mechanism. But HGH is human growth hormone. What is it? Human growth hormone. I imagine you've kind of put some of that. No, no. so that's a, a sports thing. They actually synthesize yeah. it, or that's what a lot of people that are doping in athletics and stuff. Take that's that. what. They're, yeah. yeah. So or when you get old. Level, yeah. And so, are you old? Is that what you're saying? I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> cognizant of your time, Tyler. I know that we had you. Yeah, we're, we're at two hours. We're good. Um, I, I'm good. I have, and I could keep talking for days. So we're I, good. I, I have. This stuff. Um, I have an hour. Okay. But it's up to you, man. Well, we we don't need. To I, I would. We don't need to. I would yeah. hate to. But, I would say this. I, I would think hate the listeners for someone to out. have to listen to all of this. Oh, but I think you know, we'll we we might be on a Tim. We might be on a Tim Ferriss rant. We that are Joe Rogan. We talked. I, I, I know Rogan, you by did. The way. That's, that's Tim Ferriss bores me to tears. I mean, I, I'm glad you haven't answered all the questions that you've asked before you asked them. Huh? Oh Thank yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god, it drives me nuts. I ranted about this the other week. He, you ran <laughs> last night. Lauren was. This is this ought to go off the podcast, right? So you no, cut this. We, can leave we it were talking about some relationship discussion stuff, and Stephen was talking, and Lauren's like. Maybe we should get him some CBD oil so he can rub it. On. <laughs> if one more person tries to sell me a Tyler. Oh, Have you, did you listen to that podcast? Everything. He went on like a five-minute rant on one of our podcasts that, about CBD that. oil. Uh-huh. Yeah. How, it's a how many of our podcasts market. have you listened to, by the way? How many of yours? Yeah, how many? Uh, I've listened to bits and pieces of three. Three. Okay. So, yeah. yeah we were going yeah. we to see a few. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I try <laughs> to prep. Actually. Yeah. I like it. Preparation good. is a good yeah. thing. Well, sorry for eating up that time as well. It's when I was watching my son practice soccer and I was walking. So, so good. good. I am I'm fascinated by holistic approach to wellness, right? And one of the things I know you posted maybe a year, year and a half ago, and it fascinated me, and I've not done it yet, but I want to, is your, your uh, yellow, yellow, or like your your physical age versus your actual age. Oh, right? uh, looking at your telomeres. Telomeres, yeah. Yeah. So I know that your desire... Tyler's face when you're talking about yellow was your, like, what? I, I was trying to remember the name of it, and I know... I, I didn't know if that was some Scottish um, thing that I should know. I'm is that about so, liver thing? You're yellow? That doesn't sound I, I, good. I know that is true. you and I had a discussion that you want to be able to run with your kids and do things with your kids, yeah. and when they're teenagers, you don't want to be that. And I'm the same. If I, I mean, if I have kids now, I'm going to be an older dad, right? Yeah. And Maybe he does. He just doesn't know. I mean, so, oh. wow! <laughs> oh, there and there is there is a certain yeah. amount of that element. Little Stevens of, running yeah. around with kilts on and everything. I'm going to decline comment on the grounds that I may incriminate myself. <laughs> <laughs> Probably smart. Probably smart. Um, but yeah, I know that, and, and I'm cognizant of it. I don't want to be an old, fat, white dad that can't pick up a football or a basketball and play. And you are too, right? I'm an old white dad. Glad we heard that the same way. You're not quite as far into it as Ben Greenfield. I just watched a YouTube video Uh of him last week where he has his stem cells and he's injecting them into himself. So he has stem cells from two or three years ago. You know who did that, right? Who? A guy here in town. Yeah, Ben Greenfield. That's who I'm talking about. No, 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 no. You know who injected him, right? Himself. 
Well, yeah, but you know who does this? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a guy here in town. Okay. He's actually done some of mine. Cool. But so I haven't done stem cell. I've done, done, I've done uh, PRP. Yeah, I'm going, going to go to the PRP. But I watched this perp? video where Ben yeah. Greenfield's a fitness a guru, and I had reached out to him to see if he would chat with us, and we'll see what comes of it. But he's going to the extremes, right? So he's literally injecting stem cells. And what, what the concept has been is um, he takes these stem cells from a certain age, and every hmm. periodically basically tries to reboot himself so that 40-year-old Ben Greenfield is the same as 30-year-old Ben Greenfield, which is, that's like no science, but that's, well, that's yeah. a concept. And there's something to it. Obviously, there's science behind he it. He's not just doing it by too? accident. Yeah. But you did PHP, and I want you to talk about that process. PRP. Exp- PRP, sorry. Explain what it is. Explain what you did it for. And, I mean, you couldn't, you were sore for weeks oh, after that. Frick. Yeah, that hurt. Um, so let me go back to the, the telomeres. Let me talk a little bit about uh, um, telomeres and, you know, kind of that whole process. So one of the things that Isogenics does have, and it was kind of cool how it was developed when we started, is they have a, um, a product called Isogenesis, which helps um, in the, I guess, reduce oxidation of the telomeres. So it's an enzyme that helps in that process, telomerase. Mm. Telomeres are the very end of your chromosomes. And there's a lot of research done. There's a guy uh, called Sierra Sciences in Arizona. He was a runner up at the Nobel Prize for his study about uh, telomeres. And this is, goes back probably 10, 12 years ago. And one of the things they found out is these little markers, the little segment at the end of your chromosomes, as they shorten, you age. And so what they kind of determined is at conception, it's like a length of 15,000. At birth, it's 10,000. And at death, it's 5,000. And so now they've been able to kind of extract blood or whatever, look at these chromosomes, engage roughly how old your body is. And so one of the things that I've done, I saw this advertisement, I tried it. And the first time tried it, um, my result was I was 21. I think I was 35 when I actually took this test. <laughs> and so then I did it again. And actually the, this test like freaked out, it wouldn't work. And they said, we don't know what the problem is and do it again. And it said uh, the last one like 33, 34. And no, just other than I've used these products, I've tried to do as much as I can. And one of the things that I think is important, and, and this goes back even into our, you know, network marketing, isogenics, is like, you can say that I want to be, you know, I'll say this, I've gone to the extent where I've tried to do some bodybuilding stuff, I've done some of that stuff. And then you start understanding it's like, what's it worth? Why? Yeah. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And, you know, you mentioned this, you know, um, Stephen, that my desire, my goal, one of my goals is when my kids are, you know, 20, you know, 18, 17 in that age, and they want to go do something that I'm like, why are you slagging? Like, let's go, let's be there. And the last couple of years beat myself up a little. It's got a little bit harder and, and enter the PRP. And so I, when I was in college, had an unfortunate incident where I fell off a deck. I was not intoxicated. And I fell off a deck, landed on my shoulder, and had the supplication to my shoulder. I did some physical therapy, you know, did some things over my early 20s, lifting, working out, you know, had some other issues to it. I don't know of any additional injury to that other than just being dumb and, you know, throwing a ball harder and faster, whatever. (laughs) And um, it got to the point a couple years ago, two, three years ago, where I literally could not throw a ball. Mm. Have amazing, tremendous pain from my shoulder through my neck. And just tremendous to the extent that I taught myself how to throw left-handed. 
and you know do that for a while now all of a sudden left shoulders whatever i don't know if i have shoulder issues but i've you know both of them whatever and um so i was talking to friend someone and they referred me to a guy here in spokane dr philip lanu um to do some injections to look at prp which is plasma um excuse me platelet rich plasma so they, in other words extract a bunch of blood spin it down just have the uh the plasma injected back into you strategically for to help repair the muscle uh well muscle ligament tendon whatever so just into the area that's into hurting. the area and you know allow it to do its thing and so i had that done first of the year uh i did not anticipate that it would be as strenuously <laughs> strenuous as it was um and identified in the process of doing an ultrasound of like what injury I had and just, uh, it looked like spaghetti. I mean, stuff mm. frayed, no major tears, but just, it was weak. And so um, I had a, a major issue kind of in my anterior labrum and that's where they really focused on. And dude, it is, um, it used to be extremely painful. Now it's, it's um, I would say the best it's ever been. But that first couple of days, dude, it was horrible. Painful. Like, painful like you know when you get hurt and sometimes and you're nauseous and you want to throw up it was like that Ooh. yeah it, it was kind of rough um I struggling at the gym a few times I saw well i was struggling at the gym because what sucked is i was actually feeling really good at that time period and i said hey i'm gonna do this and i didn't realize it was gonna be that bad um but my shoulder feels better than ever um good i'd actually like to go in and do another round um and actually have them focus a little bit more on my rotator cuff um yeah so Awesome. Yeah, I was just I'm I'm curious about everything. That... Here, here's one of my drivers: is I don't want to get cut. In other words, Me I either. don't want to have surgery. And so, from a cost mm. point of view, I looked at what a deductible is, and yeah, it cost me a couple thousand dollars. But I was willing to do that as a paying, as opposed to paying a deductible and having surgery and having to deal with that. So it was rough for a week, and dude, then I was kind of off and, and feeling all right, good, as opposed to having shoulder surgery, which I have a couple buddies have had that is just. Yep. It's torture. Well, I, I hear that between the labrum and the hip and the shoulder, it's the, it's what surgeons know the least about. Like, they go in and they try and fix stuff, yeah. and sometimes they're lucky yeah. and sometimes they're not, but they don't know much about yeah. shoulders and hips because there's yeah. so many moving parts. Totally. They're still learning. One of my favorite people in town is actually my chiropractor, mm. John Goldfelt, and I think I've talked to both of you about him. And his wife actually tore her ACL, and he talked her into not having surgery to repair it and now she's back playing tennis without it and he's one of those guys he's also an anti-vaxxer which I don't I mean I want my kids to have vaccinations if I have my vaccinations (laughs) I don't want to make people sick but he uh, he does believe in non-surgical remedies Mm -hmm. and surgery basically being the last resort because I think you know, you go see any any well, that's MD, invasive, right? Like and the first oh, it's thing, wildly invasive. The first thing they think is, let's cut you open and fix it. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Can yeah. we? You know, it might take Do a little things. longer, totally. but can we rehabilitate it yeah. without that? Yeah, and that's where uh, you know I've got to the point where I don't want to have to. Yeah, yeah. have surgery. And yeah, yeah. you know, I tried to, to avoid it even when I broke my arm. I mean, my, my my humerus was in pieces. I've got a metal plate and thirteen screws in there. And I asked the guy, I said, "Do I need surgery?" And he goes, well, "If you ever want to use your arm again, then yeah." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "All right, let's schedule it for the morning." <laughs> <laughs> I, at this point, we're a two-part uh, episode. We're anyways. getting there. This is definitely Joe Rogan. Yeah, we're Joe Rogan. I mean, so, this is kind of a wildly diverse. And it, yeah, this is all over the place. It's one of the things, honestly, that's been a struggle in my life. I mean, I don't want to take up too much more time. But, you know, when Ben talked about 
you know, figuring out in high school when we talked the other day yeah, of like, hey, this is who I am and just cool with that. That's been a struggle of mine because here I was a kid that grew up on a farm. And I'll just say it from my point of view, our culture is not very accepting of agriculture. And I appreciate you want to be a farmer, yeah. but I our see. culture does not like farmers. They mock them. They make fun of them. They think they are whatever you want to name it. And mm -hmm. so you have that extreme and then go to the point where I do like sports, but I'm not good at it because I was a runt. And, you know, not that developed athletically. I burdened, you know, flowered, blossomed later in life. But you're competitive, which just... I, I am wildly competitive. <laughs> um, but then I also, through that whole thing, I also like to learn and, you know, like all of that. And so I, I kind of never really found my place until, you know, career I'm at now. It's like, hey, health and fitness fits. Mm -hmm. All my other little quirks, and you know, are like, okay because they can be that passion of mine but it's not my career yeah which you know that's that's a whole nother subject is you know people say make your passion your career but yet if you're so passionate about it that you can't appreciate others in that process no that, that isn't a good fit either yeah. um and so that's where you know for me a lot of that just has is kind of fit and allowed me to become the person I am. And so it is this whole like wide spectrum. And one of the things I think is, is I have to find the place for that, but also know that helps me be relatable in my pro my, I guess, desire to help people accomplish more is like, Hey, I can relate to guys and I can relate to people because I've had that wide spectrum. Yeah. I like and it. I want to say there's a certain humility there for you to say that you're not athletic or are particularly talented because I played basketball against you and I know that's not your first sport and it was like backing down a brick wall yeah. like I was sore for days <laughs> after that I know Jake's like we beat up on each other about flag football too <laughs> we beat up play. on each other pretty yeah, hard I, that day um <laughs> I, I have an adage if you're gonna do anything do it you know full speed and <laughs> that can kind of get me strange looks but there's a reason why I do that I have three kids I want to be the example to them it's like whatever you do you go all out mm-hmm you know, if one of my kids just kind of honestly half-assed it, I would be so wildly pissed off. It's not funny. Yeah. You just don't do that. If you're not going to go and, you know, it's hard because I am competitive and I have to, like, time and place. And, yeah. you know, co-ed soccer is hard for me because you got the ball. I'm sorry. You know, it just, you know, having to register some of that stuff. You're and going yet, to come and play. I'm body team. checking you. Well, I mean. I just stopped yeah. dead when it comes I mean, last, to the girls. last concussion I had was playing indoor soccer co-ed. Really? Got waxed by a girl and I was playing goalie. And I've had three concussions. Two of them from soccer, one of them from softball. Uh, I only played football for a couple of years because I was so small. Like yeah. when you guys don't, like, I, I'm saying this and you're kind of laughing. My 11-year-old, almost 11-year-old son is a couple inches taller than I was when I was 13 mm -hmm. and built better than I was. I was so tiny. So. Hmm. You actually told me a lot about what you just said. Do you know how I know I'm not psychotic? <laughs> I have zero desire to play goalkeeper. <laughs> so the fact you even have to question it, whether or not you're psychotic. Well, here's is, the uh... thing. No one else wanted to play, and you're just kind of like, all right, dude, I'll do it. I'll, let's go. So if you two will indulge me, I know Ben's like, oh, my God, we're over to, we're, we're at two-hour mark, by the way. Yeah, well, it's getting um, split up into two podcasts yeah. at this point. So if Part you'll two. indulge me, I do want to talk about, again, thinking holistically about recovery. I think you're one of the people that I sort of confide in the most about how I sleep, how I, you know, go for massages, what I'm doing, and stretching. Ron, would you introduce me to that? Mm -hmm. Really cannot tell you how thankful I am for that because it's been a game changer for me. I feel different from what I did six months ago, eight months ago when I started it. 
and again my time frame might be off i just remember asking you what's that video you're watching there yeah and you showed me and i signed up that day but talk to me about your recovery and what you how how you process that so on a daily basis you you're obviously in the gym in the morning when i'm there sometimes i see you doing second runs and things when your kids are practicing so what's your recovery and what do you recommend over anything else um the number one thing i recommend is sleep I've had really bad sleep this week, and I'm not sure why. So me too, um, by the way. It was it was Sweet. a couple. It was uh, it was at Enough. our gym. It was two years ago, and you mentioned Ben Greenfield earlier. It was funny. One of our members at that point mentioned him, and he was using this uh, telemetric strap called the Whoop, W H O O P, and it was developed by people at Harvard. And, and one of the things she mentioned was like school, and I've wore a Fitbit for years, and so I decided to get one. Yeah. And it wasn't cheap at that point. It was 500 bucks for the unit. But what I really liked about it is it did a great job of tracking sleep. And I know there's different sensors that track sleep and do whatever. And, and I like this one. It was a strap. Um, they need to improve it. But what I found is it did a great job of measuring heart rate variability. To really look at sleep, as I've learned, is it's really measuring heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. So you can sleep for five hours. And if you have great heart rate variability, you can be massively rested. And you can sleep for 10 hours. And if you have low heart rate variability, you're just, you're, you're done. Well, one of the things that I learned personally through that process is how much what you eat affects it. Mm -hmm. And my nutrition this, this week hasn't, mm. uh, we haven't got there yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my nutrition this week hasn't been perfect. I, uh, I'm not perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm going to share this with people. You ask that's what balance I balance though, right? Like, it is about balance. Yeah. And that's, Hey, I used to love to go and eat a bunch of oatmeal raisin cookies. I love it. Mm -hmm. I'd eat a bunch of, them. you know what I did after it? I'd have three, 400 grams of protein. Why? Because I understand and know that if I balance is more important than what I have calorically. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and people oh. are crazy. And so even still, like last night. So if you're going to have one cheeseburger, you should really have three is what you're telling me. Well, actually, from a macro <laughs> point of view, cheeseburgers are horrible. Yeah. It's because they're high in fat yeah. with some cheese. And there's actually not as much protein. Now, if you had a cheeseburger and then you went and had a, you know, protein shake and you had, you know, there's another story, but yeah. I, I won't <laughs> go there. Um, cheeseburgers. In regards to recovery, looking at sleep, one of the things that dramatically what I eat affects it. Okay. But alcohol mm -hmm. absolutely kills your body because it has to recover. So, you know, sometimes you wake up, you go out, you party, and you, you're up late. You're up till like 2 in the morning, and you had a few drinks, and you wake up. And say you wake up at 10, you got you know, eight hours in bed, and you're just like dragging yeah. exhausted. It's not because you were up late. It's because your body was processing all of that alcohol, and your heart rate variability is zero, like non-existent in that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, oh, you know, I need a couple glasses of wine. I need, you know, a couple, uh, you know, you know, yeah. uh, drinks of scotch in yeah. order to kind of go to sleep. If you were to look at the system of heart rate variability, be blown away how bad your sleep is. So if I were to say one thing from a recovery point of view is sleep. Now, beyond that, one of the things that I've, I've learned to do in, as well is gauge how well I sleep, how hard I work out. So I like to stay active. I like to stay active because it helps me from a mental capacity more than anything else. It's not physical, really, because you can do physical in a lot of different ways. More than anything else in life is mental. And so to kind of keep my processes going, just stay active and, you know, looking at some of that, uh, um, you know, in 
whatever in life is, is the mental side of it. But then I'll go to the gym and like this morning, I, I kind of went as hard as what I felt I could do. And there's a lot of times people in training like, oh, you need to go so hard that, you know, you're exhausted and you're wore out and just that's a good workout. It's like, no, sometimes spending 30 minutes of just like focusing on it and, you know, not sweating Mm -hmm. is the best thing you can do Mm -hmm. because that's what helps you allow to build on and and everything else. So um, those are are two things. The third thing um, I would say is kind of large, but is nutrition is absolutely nutrition. And it's using components that help in recovery. Um, You know, we talk about fasting. I also, you know, one of the things that I love about that is, you know, in part of recovery, in a lot of, you know, working out, people will have a lot of lactic acid buildup. That's when you're sore. Ouch. Yes. And there's some products actually that help your body get rid of those. And when you get rid of that inflammation is what helps you recover faster. And it just happens to be that Isogenics has one of those products. It's a herbal botanical product um, that's actually part of their fasting process, but it's a natural diuretic in a good way. Helps get rid of inflammation, helps support the liver in that process. Because what do you think processes all that? Again, the, the liver, because it does all of it. And so that's where you can see people that you know have tremendous recovery results um, in fasting, especially because mm. a lot of it's just getting rid of inflammation. The number one killer in this world, Number one killer. Infection. No. Inflammation. (laughs) Because what what does inflammation allow? Allows infection because when you're inflamed, your body's not operating, right? And when it shuts down everything. And so if you can reduce inflammation, reduce cortisol, reduce, you know, help your body get rid of that stuff, that's when you're healthier. We got loud man Jake in the background here, yeah. if anybody can yeah. hear that. <laughs> so I really could talk all day, but we'll take some time here. Do you want to talk social media, uh, where people can find you, Tyler? Yeah. Give, give you, Kelly, a little plug and what sure. you're doing and give us a little bit of that. Yeah, so uh, on uh, Facebook, Tyler Dickerhoof, um, that is H-O-O-F, just like a horse's hoof, cow's yeah. hoof. Um, and uh, on Instagram as well, Tyler Dickerhoff. Look for a guy with a shiny bald head uh, and a gray shirt. Uh, I know there's two other Tyler Dickerhoffs in the world. Wow. I think we're related somehow, wow. some way, but extended. Um, so anyway, that's where uh, website right now, Tyler and Kelly, I'm in the process of actually um, having my own. So uh, there mm-hmm. it'll be probably Tyler Dickerhoff. I don't think it's taken, I'm guessing. But there's anyways. two of you. Yeah, Um, that's where you can see us. (laughs) Uh, Social media right now. Uh, Then my wife, if you want to look into Kelly, Modern Mom on a Mission on Instagram, Kelly Dickerhoof on Facebook. Um, Yeah. And it's Kelly with an E before the Y. An E-Y, yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks. We, I appreciate it. Obviously, you and I chat a lot at the gym and in different places. And Yeah, that no, was great to have you on. Thanks for coming on. I learned a few things. Yeah. Awesome. I only a few. You, only, well, uh, hopefully only you learned few. something about sports. Yeah, well, you, put mostly... the, you put the, the, the orange ball oh, through the orange ring. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, Patronizing we may, son we of a... May, no. And I'm going to put this out there if you're open to it. We may have to have you back at some point to talk about some of the little experiments you do in the fitness world because i'm just fascinated by it I, I don't ever pull the trigger on a lot of the stuff i read on and i know you and you and ben greenfield sort of go and experiment for us maybe so. next time you go in we'll come in and videotape no, it then i live vicariously you through perp. you 
So, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. The other um, thing is, let's ask the icebreaker questions though. Too. Oh, I want to. We, we're right. doing the icebreaker questions because they're going to go at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. Right. Do you That's remember what they te- are? Usually, where they I, go. I remember a couple. The first of them. one is the profession when you were a little boy. So go for it. Oh yeah, that is the first one. I wasn't thinking that one too. So the first one, first icebreaker question, which is what we're going to wrap up with in this particular situation, is when you were a kid, what was the profession that you? kind of wanted to be or which direction mm-hmm. did you see yourself going uh so i mentioned it earlier when say, you know that was old. my yeah. well it, it was before that i was uh i think eight or nine and i wanted to be a veterinarian um you know on our farm we had a veterinarian and you know really liked the guy and um kind of thought I, it was something i could do so i spent um roughly one saturday a month and i did that for 10 11 years hmm. um spending riding with him and thought i was going to be a veterinarian when i went to Cornell University. My intention was to be a veterinarian. Hmm. And that lasted about three weeks because I was in a, a biology class for majors. 11, 11 years of Saturdays. And yeah. And then three weeks, three like, weeks nah, 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 yeah. I don't know about this. Um, and because it was a, you know, pre-med weed out, it's like, I, I don't love it that yeah. much. So. All right. We're making a movie about your life. Who stars you and what would it be about? Well, I mean, it really can go a couple. Here we go. It, it could really go a couple different directions. It's really what kind of you know do you want to do? You, do you want Vin Diesel and have it to be you know real action or, or Patrick you know, Stewart? Uh, <laughs> I guess in a few years, if I'm in a wheelchair and you're going to call me, I mean, can go to that hey, extent. He's Captain Picard. I, I, I get cool. that. Um, you know, one of them <laughs> I that, that I get sometimes is uh, Dwayne Johnson okay. um, because I am actually a little darker skinned uh i've gotten jason statham in the statham past i could see we'd have to draw on you uh, and to then, rock. and then bruce willis is one that i also have gotten at times so oh, he's old um, too. he's old yeah <laughs> but they're all bald i mean you, you you gather the the connection they're all bald. shiny heads yeah. yes yes yeah so, so and what would the movie be about though and then the other man movie. i you need that's that's where um if there's a part of me that i'd, I'd want it to be about is just grit yeah it, it really is, and Love it. you know that's. Uh, I, I was talking to, I, I was talking to one of our close friends uh, the other day, and we were talking about culture and his soccer club, and um, you know one of the things he said is just hard work, do the work. Yeah. Um, one of my current guys that I'm learning a lot from is John Wood, and I'm fortunate that I have John Maxwell, who was mentored by John Wood, and another friend Don Yeager, who was mentored, wrote a book with John Wood, and to kind of you know, see how they play that out too. And, and one of the things that John Wooden was all about is industriousness. Don't forget we have to tell Ben who John Wooden is. John Wooden. coach, legendary. Yes. Um, (laughs) But he, I think if, if you were to ask the people that played for him were around him most, they wouldn't even contemplate the fact that he was a basketball coach. He was a, he was a mentor. He was a humanitarian. He, his aim was to help people be a better person. And he started at the start. One of my favorite stories about him is some guy showed up and he showed him how to put his shoes and socks on so he didn't get blisters. No, no, that every practice, every year. You know, you come in with all Americans, guys that have played every single year, first practice. He's like, boys, take off your shoes, take off your socks. I'm going to show you how to roll them up your feet, make them smooth so you don't get blisters. <laughs> it's the first practice. The little things, right? But yeah, it, totally. it, it is that. It is that attention to detail. Because what happens when guy gets a blister? He's not playing. He's not totally. practicing. He's yeah. not whatever. They want him at his um, best you know, potential. But it also, one of the things that I gained from it is you're not better than anyone else. You're not better. You're not beyond, oh, you need to pay attention to that detail and just 
do the right Humbling. thing. Humbling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a guy, too, that, you know, they never scouted anyone. And this is a guy that, for all intents and purposes, the greatest college coach in any sport from a championship level. He never, ever, ever had ever had a goal to win a championship. Mm-hmm. He won 10 in a row. I know he won seven in a row, 10 total. Unrivaled. Um, yeah, and, and but it was all it's about just coach. make better people um, and, you know, just do what you're best at, and that's it. So next question, something you haven't done yet in your life that you really want to accomplish before you die. Oh, man. Um, something specific, Tyler, too. Yeah. Nothing I mean, broad. Nothing broad. Pie in the sky. Uh, um, well, I mean, sometimes people go to adventure. And um, yeah. I, I had the opportunity when I was in New Zealand in college to go bungee jumping, cool. um, which was an interesting, very short-lived experience. We were supposed to go skydiving, and we didn't. And I, I, I really don't have a desire to do that. Why would you jump out a perfectly good plane? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's I, I like <laughs> adrenaline a adrenaline rush. rush. I yeah. like a rush. I, I I feed off adrenaline. I like that. That's part of my competitiveness. Yeah. Um, something to accomplish in life. This is going to sound cliche, and you're going to be like. It's to see people at some point say, you helped me accomplish something I never thought I could. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's not cliche. That's great. I yeah. mean, and to me, and where I'm at in life, it's, it's, it's funny. That's the stuff that pff, is fun to me. Yeah. That's the yeah. fun that's fulfilling. That's, that's exciting. And, um, you know, I've had people model that in front of me. And I also know that when you do that, money doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but also money doesn't matter. Yeah. If you know what I mean. If, if yeah. you help people accomplish, money's going to come your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Money's just a tool. Yeah. Well, but. thanks again, by the way. Yeah, I, man. I love these conversations. Yeah, it's been enjoyable having you on today. Yeah. And Great. to anybody that's still listening, because this has gone long and we're going to split it into two. Yeah. Uh, Maybe three. <laughs> Maybe three. <laughs> to be honest. We, uh, yeah. we really appreciate it. Make sure you're checking us out on social media. It's O2E Journey on Instagram and, and, and Facebook. Ordinary to Extraordinary on the Facebook. And Ben and I will be back with an accountability chat after these two are released. And until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. So uh, before you, I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this enjoyable conversation. I think one of the things that, you know, is fun in life is when you can sit and have a, you know, two and a half hour conversation (laughs) and and not realize it it, it took that long. And uh, so I thank you for what you guys are doing. Also the example that you're showing to others and, um, you know, what it takes to go from ordinary to extraordinary is just a little extra. So it is. It's great. I love it. Oh, that's you need to remember that that's going to be our new line (laughs) what it takes yeah you can be the greatest you can be the best you can be the king Kong banging on your chest you can beat the world the war. You can talk the guy, go banging on his door. You can throw your hands up, you can beat the clock. Yeah. You can move a mountain, you can break rocks. You can be a master, don't wait for luck. Dedicate yourself and you go find yourself. Standing in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And the world's gonna know your name. You can run the mile You can walk straight through hell with a smile You could be the hero, you could get the gold 
breaking all the records they thought never could be broke Yeah, do it for your people, do it for your pride You ain't ever gonna know if you never even try Do it for your country, do it for your name Cause there gonna be a day when you're